What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Here on Working on Purpose, we're committed to realizing a world where work is enriching and a purposeful part of life. Leaders inspire people to realize their own greatness while contributing their passion, and business is elevated to unleashing spectacular cause in the world. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something that changes the way you think and that you can immediately put to use. Much of the content we discuss in this program is a reflection of the work I do, so as you listen, if you catch any a glimpse of anything I can do to help you, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's talk about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected and thanks for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Ray White. He is the co-founder of Joyages, an app-based program designed to make an impact on the mental health crisis in America. He is also Chief Innovation Officer at ACAP Health, a leading provider of solutions for the employee benefits industry, and the author of four books, which include Joyages, Alexia's Legacy, Lessons for Leadership and Life, Happiness Hacks, Two Minutes to Learn Happiness, Connecting Happiness and Success. We'll be talking today about the role and importance of purpose in today's world, the work he and team do at Joyages, and our common perspective on the world of work, what it looks like post-pandemic. He joins you today from Dallas. Ray, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hey, thanks for having me, Elise. So fun, right? I'm not, I don't remember how it was we initially got connected, but I'm so glad to have you in my sphere and looking forward to sharing your passion and your expertise with our listeners now, I think, is more important than ever to talk about purpose. But before we do, I think it's important that our listeners know a little bit more about your background and just how you approach the space that you're in. So will you just sketch a little bit of your background in spending some years helping companies grow, but you began to realize something else was there for you? Sure, yeah. So my background is performance companies. And like you said, helping uh, small companies get bigger and medium companies get bigger. And, you know, one of the things we found, uh, especially in the technology area, is we had lots of young people who knew technology and lots of older clients who didn't. And we needed those young people to be leaders for the older, more experienced people. And so in teaching them leadership, one of the key factors is teaching them success. A person doesn't want to follow somebody if they don't believe they're going to be successful at getting them to reach their goals. And so we started teaching them about success. And in working with younger people on success, we found that happiness was a real key point and uh, something that they were all very concerned about, much more so than maybe my generation was. And so that led us to lots of research and work with lots of psychologists. And what the research clearly showed is that if we can teach people habits and skills around being happier, that those habits and skills help them be more successful. And so we could create a more engaged and 
and uh, more productive workforce by teaching them how to be happier, how to be grateful, how to smile, how to uh, have better relationships and uh, all those kinds of things that it seems kind of obvious now, but uh, it took us a while to get the research and, and really start teaching people how to, uh, how to be happier so they could be successful and be, be better leaders. I am fully aligned. In fact, when I was reading two of your four books, I recognize that there's a, there's some good overlap in what you discuss in your book and what I'm discussing in mine. So we are very aligned in our messaging, which will make sense to you listeners as we go along here as we both nod heads to each other. <laughs> so one of the things that you said in, in our first conversation, which I thought was so riveting and one of the many reasons I wanted to have you on the show, is that you said that this purpose stuff is not just about the ROI, the return on investment to the company, but that it can also impact mental health of society. And of course, I agree with that. And I understand the research behind that. But tell us more about your perspective. Yeah, so it was really interesting to find that um, that people having a purpose, people having meaning in their life and, and kind of knowing their why can actually have an impact at the cellular level. It can actually help them be healthier. And, um, you know, there's research that shows that people who take care of plants actually live longer than people who don't take care of plants and that people who um, have stronger meaning in their life and have a reason to get up uh, are going to be more healthy and they're going to do things to be more healthy and they're going to make better choices. And so there's uh, lots of ways that meaning and purpose interact with your actual physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, and it all works together and comes together. So it's it's fascinating. And the, and the science is really starting to prove this out. You know, it's you've always heard this um, as good wisdom, uh, but the science is proving that this wisdom is true. Indeed. In fact, one of the things that you sh- you talk about in your book, and then this is part of the app, which we'll talk about in, in the second segment, but I'm really interested in, you actually specifically focus on suicide, preventing suicide. And so part of what my interest in when I'm out speaking on passion, inspiration, purpose is, yes, I do want us to lower the, the opi- opioid use uh, that we have in this country, which is pandemic, really. And certainly, I want to impact the suicide numbers. So um, can you say a little bit more about you've got some really specific aims with what the work that you're doing around mental health? That's exactly right. The you know one of the things that people feel uh, when they when they turn to suicide is they feel hopeless and helpless. And if you can teach them to have hope, if you can give them a reason to have hope, and and part of that is teaching them their purpose by teaching them to have hope. You give them a reason to keep going. If they have a why to get up every morning then they're not going to be as likely to go down uh, a path that hurts. And so, you know, we're really focused on um, not just helping people after they're in trouble, but how do we teach people skills ahead of time? How do we teach people today who, you know, every day, everybody has struggles. Everybody has challenges with their relationships and financial and stress and anxiety and those kinds of things. And how do we teach habits and skills so people can deal with those and never really get to crisis? So we want to have programs and, and ways to help people in crisis, but we also want to teach people ahead of time and really be preventative, preventative care for brain health rather than just waiting until the crisis. Two things. Um, one is you do talk about it in your book uh, that it's important that when we, when we do get access to a why that we connect it to serving people beyond ourselves. And I completely align with that as well. There's something about in being of service to others that's really important in the why and gives you more of a sense to get up. People need you. They count on you. So that's an important thing to call out. 
and I want to I want to present a, a video to that. I if you do you know who Ben Ben Zander is, who wrote The Art of Possibility. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. No. He's fantastic. He's a beautiful human being, and he's got a, a video that's out on YouTube about, about I think it's called The Art of Possibility. But what's there's a funny scene that he shares, where this guy hails a cab in New York City when you could still do that, right? Jumps in the back of the cab and he says to the driver, "Hurry up, fast, go!" And the driver goes, "Where are we going?" He goes, "Doesn't matter. I'm needed everywhere." <laughs> right? Isn't that great? Yeah. And it, it should be like that, right? Does, I'm so needed. I'm so necessary. Who can be depressed? You know, when you feel like that. Um, so isn't that just marvelous? Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's exactly right. And what we want people to share and people to understand. If um, and the truth is, if you're helping other people and if you're doing things for other people, then you start to feel that and you start to see that and you start to see that um, you know people you didn't even realize need you uh, actually do need you. And there's a reason for you to be here. So. Absolutely. And and the, the second point I was going to I was going to make here around this that I, I want to call out a, a friend and f- f- recent uh, radio show guest, uh, Bob Hopkins here in Dallas, that I think you'll appreciate his work. You two listeners. He does a program called PAVE, which is phil- philanthropy and volunteerism through education. And what he does is he goes into schools and he teaches elementary school kids about the importance of philanthropy and volunteering and doing work for others. And he does that for two reasons. One, to, you know, to build them into good model human beings. But two, because he believes in, that they will embrace that path and then therefore, you know, choose away from drugs and, and crime. When you're serving others, I mean, those things are far less interesting. So I, when you think about if we can impact children in elementary school with the work that you and I are doing, how awesome is that? How, think about affecting the mental health um, problem from that vantage point. And, and so, number one, that is awesome and fantastic, exactly what we should be doing, and not really as difficult as people might think. The truth is, if we can teach people, and especially young people, and, and there's research on this, if we can teach them to believe in themselves and teach them uh, that they are capable and teach them uh, that there are possibilities, uh, then they tend to respond to that, and they respond to that actually uh, better than adults do. And so there's real good research that just spending some time and showing them those kinds of things is good. The other thing is, you know, there's actual research around um, the chemicals that are released. And so if you're if you're going to reach a purpose, then there's serotonin release. But if you reach a purpose that helps somebody else, then there's oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And so you get this double dose of chemicals. And by the way, those chemicals are the same thing that are released uh, with lots of drugs that people take. And so helping other people actually does the same thing for your brain that uh, taking cocaine and, <laughs> and those kinds of drugs does. Um, and, and people do actually want to do it. They get rewarded uh, from a chemical standpoint, from a physical standpoint. They get rewarded when they do it, which makes them want to do it more, which also helps the person uh, the person they're helping releases chemicals, which then comes back. And so it's just a great... Um, you know, a great positive spiral for people to help each other out. Yeah, and it costs less and there's no side effects. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I found delightful in your book, I, it was just easy to read um, both of the books that I read. So kudos for getting those out and sharing them with the world for, for, for a start. Thank you for that, Ray. Um, now, what I want to call out is you've got a you've got a quote from Dan Pink, which of course I love Dan Pink. Who doesn't? But it's in your Finding Purpose chapter of um, which which book is that in? 
That's it's like connecting happiness and success. Connect, yes. Um, and, and what I find interesting is it, you say um, Daniel Pink in his book Drive uses the story of Claire Booth Luce to provide an example of finding purpose. Claire Booth Luce, a U.S. congresswoman in the 1940s, later gave President John F. Kennedy some advice. She told him that a great man is a sentence, and it is always a sentence that has an active verb. That is profound advice. So for him, for, for Franklin Roosevelt, his sentence was, he lifted us out of a Great Depression and helped us win a world war. Sounds like a pretty good way to go in life to me. Um, so I, I'm interested in how you use this with people or organizations, you know, this sentence, this sentence exercise. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's great. So, so first off, my sentence is I help people be happy and successful, and so that's what I do for organizations and executives that I coach and, and other people that I work with. And um, to your point, an organization can have a sentence just like a person can have a sentence. And helping people to think through what are their values, what do they believe in, and what do they want to accomplish, um, and and. Think of that from an individual level or even from a company level. And you can start to put this sentence together. And as people start to put this sentence together, one of the most important things is to let them know that it doesn't have to be permanent. You can do this today. It's like a suit. You can try it on. You can wear it for a week, share it with everybody, and you can change it next week. And you can continue to change it and it can continue to evolve until you really feel it, until it really feels good on you and you find the perfect fit. And so that's what I highly encourage people to do is to kind of put all these pieces together, kind of go through these processes to get there. And then when they're there to try it on and continue to change it, continue to evolve it. You know what I also appreciate about what we're talking about here in in this moment, Ray, and when I say in this moment, I mean during the coronavirus pandemic shelter in place and social distancing, I have been working with new people who are like, well, shoot, I might as well, you know, discover my purpose in this time. I'm not really doing much else. I think it's perfect. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to consider. So I, I think it's, it's, for some people, they find it hard to do that internal work when they're, quote, living their crazy, fast-paced life. Um, but of course, in, in my world, right, It's the, these are the yummy moments. Why wouldn't you want to do that? But I feel like the pandemic is giving us even greater access to doing this work. What do you think? Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, one of the things that's happening because of the pandemic is, you know, when I go outside and take my walks, I take a walk with my wife and my dogs twice a day, and we see new people all the time. We're seeing more and more people. So people are taking walks together. Uh, People are doing a little more exercising. People are spending more time with their family. They're forced to spend time with their family, which means they're forced to kind of, Uh, handle challenges and issues. And what this is doing is helping them see what's important to them and helping them uh, kind of take another look at their values. You know, what happens is we all get very busy and we all want to accomplish something. We want to get that car, get that house, get that promotion. And there's so many things going on. We don't get to stop and think and look and enjoy. And I think, like you said, with the pandemic, we now have time for that. And we now have lots of other situations that we're not normally in that allow us to see, hey, you know, this is something that's special to me. And maybe I don't want to lose that again. And maybe I want to keep having that, you know, 30 minute conversation with my kids every night. Uh, so, yeah, I think the pandemic is I really hope it's helping us going forward. And I think it is giving the people the opportunity to think and reflect and uh, and kind of look at maybe what they want their purpose to be. Mm hmm. 
And let's take that one step further and give open a space of possibility for people, Ray. So I think you and I talked about this on the phone when we were first chatting about coming on the show, but I want to share one of my other previous guests that I had on, Karen Hoyas. She's also working in the purpose category, like both of us really are. And and she says in her book, and we talked about it on air, she says only 1% of the global population is fully living their purpose at present. And she says when we get to 3%, human consciousness will be raised such that peace is actually possible. I think that's worth getting up for. Um, your thoughts, your perspective on the possibility of what purpose can do in the world? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> I think I think that's awesome. I think... Um, I actually hope the numbers are a little bigger. Some st- stats maybe show the numbers a little bigger, but the concept that if we can just get enough people and, and she's got a three X there, right? If you can go from where we are today to about three times as many people uh, that we can really truly change the world, I think is very true. And I think if you look at how one individual who really believes in what they're doing can influence so many other people, can, can serve as a good example for them. Uh, in many cases, they can, uh, and, and often do, start companies and hire people who also believe that way. Um, and you know, one of the things we look at is we, we think of companies and employees, and that's not really what it is. What we have is we have employees and we have other people who work in the company. And companies are made up of people. The leaders are people and the employees are people and everybody in there is, are people. And, and all of those people can uh, provide an example with their purpose. And, and if a leader, a leader in the company says, this is my purpose and everybody gets aligned behind it, then more and more people are going to join in and more and more people are going to feel better about themselves and more and more people are going to work with other people and want to help them out uh, and, and share their purpose. And so uh, more and more people having a purpose, living their purpose, aligning their purpose with other people, uh, you know, we really start to head the world in a great direction where, um, you know, we all like where we're going and we all find ways to make it work. Uh, you get through a lot of challenges when you feel like your purpose is aligned with the purpose you're working with. It doesn't have to be the same, but as long as you feel like it's aligned, then, you know, I can put up with a lot. I can I can deal with a lot of challenges. And so I think, like you said, that that takes us more towards peace and harmony and and, and people really believe in each other and helping each other and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I want to I want to add something to that. But let's grab our first break and I'll do it afterwards. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We are there with Ray White, who is the co-founder of Joyages, an app-based program designed to make an impact on the mental health crisis in America. He's also chief innovation officer at ACAP Health, a leading provider of solutions for the employee benefits industry. He joins us today from Dallas. We've been talking a bit about the importance of purpose. After the break, we're going to talk more about his app, Joyages. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose.
This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Ray White. He's the co-founder of Joyages, an app-based program designed to make an impact on the mental health crisis in America. He is also Chief Innovation Officer at ACAP Health, which is a leading provider of solutions for employee benefits in, in industry. He's also the author of four books. One is Joyages, also Alex- Alexia's Legacy, Lessons for Leadership and Life, Happiness Hacks, Two Minutes to Learn Happiness, and Connecting Happiness and Success. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So the comment I wanted to make about what you were saying before that we went on break about this notion of more people working from purpose, that is exactly why I'm doing the work that I'm doing, Ray, because I want to be part of that ripple effect. I want to first turn people onto their purpose, help them discover it, and then I'm helping them to unleash it into the world. Exactly for that reason. I want to increase the consciousness of the world, the connectivity of the world, and the way that life and work is experienced in a much more positive fashion. So you set it up beautifully. So. Listeners, that's the work we're doing together. Let's let's get on board. Um, all right, you ready to talk about your app? Sure. Okay. So first, I want to understand and help our listeners understand how you got the idea to start Joyages, which you tagline as the preventative care solution for brain health. I love that. So where did the idea come from? Yeah, the idea came from in writing the books, we needed to share a way for people to develop these skills uh, that are going to help them with uh, emotional health and, and success and happiness overall. And uh, an app seemed like the best way to do that. Uh, also, you know, in our research, uh, there's clearly a crisis in America. And people are starting to recognize it, but they haven't in the past. And there's a crisis uh, with the number of people who have anxiety and the number of people who have depression and the number of people who are at risk for suicide. Uh, and those numbers are going up significantly. And so... Um, you know, with all that together, we needed a way to help teach people positive skills and habits to help get resources in their hands so they get help immediately. And even to help, there's this concept, um, or actually a, a statistic from NAMI, National Association for Mental Illness. And the statistic is that from the day of the first symptom to the day of diagnosis for depression is 11 years. Wow. Yeah, in that time period, we're living a lot of life. There's a lot going on in our lives before we get there. And we needed something to interrupt that and to to make that go faster. And so another reason to have the app is so that people, you know, people say, hey, I'm feeling kind of sad, but I'm not sure. Well, so there's a, a way to see if you have depression on the app. There's a way to see if you're suffering from anxiety on the app and actually see what level you are and actually get information about what you can do and how you can do it and resources and those kinds of things. So, so all of that came together uh, to be a good reason to provide something like this to, to basically help as many people out as we can. You know what's so great about that, Ray, and listeners, really hang on to this. What is so great about what you've created and brought into the world, Ray, is that to be able to give people that kind of access to their own health when, you know, when we are feeling either depressed or anxious, it's really hard to distinguish that for ourselves and go, hey, hang on. You know what? I think I'm depressed. 
nope, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know, to your point, the 11-year thing. So to provide them something that allows them to start to get access and data points that, hey, you might need some help is an incredible thing to put into the world, Ray. Yeah, and it's something, you know, we're very focused on how can we help there are, uh, you know, we will go to a dentist and get our teeth, you know, get, get our teeth cleaned and check up on our teeth. And we'll go to the primary care physician uh, once a year to make sure that, you know, we're healthy and don't have any problems. And But we're not doing that for our brain. And we need to start doing that for our brain. And so, you know, we try to create something that in three minutes a day, you can find out how you're doing. You can find out skills or learn skills to do better. Um, and you can, you know, continually improve and brush up on your brain or brush up on your brain health. So. I love how you talk about that in the, the book, too, about brushing up. I think that's fantastic. And and thinking about it on the same level that you're going to brush your teeth today. So we're also going to work on your brain. Let's just get to it and add that in, add that into your day. Um, so I played with your app and I think it's I love its interactive functionality. It to me, it it it. It occurs for me like a learning and engagement system. That's how I see it and play with it. Yeah, that, that's what it was imagined as is, number one, can you get in quickly? So you get to kind of talk about how happy you are today, which most people don't stop and think. Most people go through their day and they don't stop and think, how happy am I and why am I happy or why am I not happy? And so you can do that in, in like five seconds, check check your level of happiness, think about your happiness, and then you can go in and pick what you want to learn, right? We will give you content based on who you are and, and, and how you use the app. The algorithms work to give people, everybody should have a different experience. But then you can also choose if today's a rough day, uh, let's say with uh, my, my wife, I'm having a tough time. Well, it gives you skills on how to deal with that and how to work on that. If I'm feeling really anxious today, I can take a test and see how anxious I am and or I can learn about uh, what's triggering my anxiety and, and how to identify those triggers and how to do something about those triggers. And again, you can do all that in two to three minutes. So it's not like you need to spend an hour on the app. You can go in and get out two to three minutes a day, and, you know, five or 10 if you want to. Brilliant. And that is just about the right um, right amount of time for most of our, our, our attention spans these days. So that's perfect, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to call out about it that I think is just smart is that the Joyages app mirrors much of the content in your Joyages book, which, uh, you know, I'm doing something similar with my book, except it's not an app, it's online. But um, I just I th- appreciate just, you know, the complementarity of that. Yeah, we really wanted to make sure there's as many ways for people to get the help they need and for people to, um, you know, learn the skills. And so uh, we've got the book in an audio format. We've got the book so you can read it. And we've got the app so people can access it anywhere they want. They can also access the book on Kindle. Uh, So how many ways can we give access so that people have those resources? Um, And they have those resources on a daily basis. And they also have those resources when there's an emergency or crisis or they want to help somebody out. Mm-hmm. And the app itself, I'm, I always find it amazing. I have a friend who has, has created and launched his own app. And I just find that idea that you've launched an app into the world to be such an amazing thing. Um, just briefly, what, what was the development process like? How long did it take? Uh, how many times did you lose your hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the first off, there are lots of iterations and it's never completed. It's never done. There's always things we can improve. Uh, but yeah, we started with, uh, I actually started with uh, a young intern to build something that I could show to people. And then, 
you know, kind of a guy in his garage and me and him in his garage working on something. He went actually in his garage. He was in his living room. But, yeah, we worked on, you know, just something that we could show to companies. And then from there, we went into full scale, um, you know, highly scalable, high level uh, app development, content development so that we can, you know, provide this to very large companies and uh, make sure they can always help their employees. So it's a it's an interesting process. It's very iterative. It's never uh, what you imagined. Let me put it a different way. It's never what you started out thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had lots of great people that give us great input and especially the users. You know, one of the things you do with an app is you put it out there and see how people use it. And based on how they use it, you can add or change things. Uh, for instance, one of the pieces of content that everybody really likes is the relationships and how to build better relationships. And so that leads us to do more things with relationships. We've actually uh, got a piece on the app or uh, activity on the app called Relationship Builder. We're, uh, you know, in the early stages of now. And so we learn things from the user. We learn things from uh, people we talk to. And then we try to adapt and, and make it what people want. I think it's brilliant. Uh, just brilliant. It's very inspiring to me. All right, so let's talk about a little bit with the, the companies that you that you work with. So I'm interested to understand how do you work with companies to help them improve their the mental health and the well being of their employees? And you know, how does that is it does it show up as this is an employee engagement opportunity? Does it show up as this is a well being function? What is that? Yeah, and you know, one of the things we're doing is getting lots of calls these days because employers uh, and especially COVID nineteen has allowed them to do this they care about their employees. They really do care. And because they care, they want to do something. They want to have an impact. They understand that this is a crisis, anxiety, depression, suicide. It's a crisis and they want to solve it. And so uh, we look to, number one, take all of the resources that they want to use to help their employees with well-being or mental health or those kinds of things and put them in one place. And so we customize the app for every company so that they can use all of their programs and all their resources. Then the other thing we do is work with them on how they want to engage. And sometimes it's just lots of emails and and other messaging to their employees about joyages. And sometimes it's through a wellness platform and a wellness program. And sometimes it's through their insurance program and what they do with uh, with their benefits and, and, and the types of benefits they provide. So we really have tried to be very flexible with what the people who care about their employees want to accomplish and helping them accomplish that. How can we get this to the most people and do the most help? And, and what works? Because with some, for instance, we work with some cities and the things that work with cities are different than maybe what works with um, a technology company. And so we talk to them differently. Uh, we, we have a NFL football team and the way we communicate with them is different. Um, and so we're, we try to be very flexible. We try to learn. And then we try to take those learnings and help other employee uh, employers as well. So. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, all right. So I always like to be able to take this back for our for our listeners so they can really understand the application. So do you can you share an example or a case study of where, how you help an organization maybe achieve important goals or improve and increase mental well-being? Sure. So <clears throat> in one particular organization, um, we we have increased. So what we do is we do these assessments and we let the employees do these assessments and we've shown an improvement in the assessments on average of the employees over time. Now, one of the things we don't do 
is no employee's information is shared. No employer knows what their employees are doing or going through. But we can take and put lots of people together and kind of give averages. And so we've been able to show that we can help improve their anxiety levels over all of their employees, improve their brain health over all their employees. And, and we got a call, uh, I want to say it was about three or four days ago. Uh, one of the employees was using the app and they really liked the app. And uh, they had a, a family member who uh, was at risk for suicide. And so we have suicide resources immediately available and they were able to utilize those and get get that person to the help they needed. And then they were able to take the app and meet with this person. Uh, and apparently they've been doing this for about three or four weeks now, meeting this with this person on a regular basis and just talking about different lessons in the app. And so they go through the, they will watch a video uh, separately and then they'll come together and talk about it. And so it gives a, a way for these two people to connect. And uh, obviously it gave, uh, gave her the resources she needed to help uh, with that family member. And so, you know, this is exactly what we want to do. And I always say, if, if we can help one person like that, then, you know, we've, we've accomplished our goal and things are good. That's beautiful, Ray. Talk about working on purpose. Works for me. Well, let's grab our last break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Ray White, who is the co-founder of Joyages. It's an app-based program designed to make an impact on the mental health crisis in America. He is also chief innovation officer at ACAP Health, which is a leading provider of solutions for the employee benefits industry. He joins today from Dallas. After the break, we're going to talk more about what life and work might look like post-pandemic. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Ray White. He's the co-founder of Joyages, which is an app-based program designed to make an impact on the mental health crisis in America, and the chief innovation officer at ACAP Health, which is a leading provider of solutions for the employee benefits industry. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, Ray, I really wanted to focus on what we can do to craft the world of life and work that we all want to live in. And I, I do see that the pandemic gives us an opportunity through its reboot to do just that, to really recast, revamp uh, the world of work. And I care about that because so much of our life takes place at work. So if we can impact that, we have a great chance of greatly improving one's overall life. So when I think about the opportunity to for employee, employers to reinvent the workforce and make them more humane, especially when you consider that the Gallup organization says that 85% of the global workforce does not want to go to work on Monday. I see this as just a, a 
awesome opportunity. So question for you is your thoughts about reinvention. How can we better reinvent the workplace in this new opportunity? I think one of the things that's going to impact us is everybody working from home and getting used to that. The uh, most recent, I think it was a Gallup study, actually 59% of people said, hey, I'd prefer to work from home. Well, if they're going to be working from home, um, we're going to have to have a different way to manage them, right? The way we manage people is they come in, we see that they're there, so we know that they're working. And that's not really true or the case. And so, um, we're going to need to do things. And, you know, we talk a lot about purpose, but people are going to need to understand the purpose of the company and be aligned with it. Because if you're working from home and you get up in the morning, why would you go to work? Why do you want to, you know, be diligent when nobody's watching you, except you're aligned with the purpose and you believe in what the people are doing. And so, you know, purpose is one of the main ways, but there's lots of ways we're going to have to manage people differently, look at things differently, and, and basically allow people to be more flexible, to live their lives uh, in a different way than what we're used to. Agreed. Um, one of the things that I'm so present to, one of the great things about getting to host this show, Ray, is every week I'm having a delicious nurturing conversation with somebody who generally teaches me something or helps me see things a little bit differently. And I had a fantastic conversation a couple of weeks back with Marcus Buckingham, who spent 25 years at the Gallup organization and was part of the whole strengths movement and still is today. And he's very much keen on the notion of of helping organizations to separate themselves from the old bureaucratic processes that were built to make life easy for the company, but frankly miserable for the individual employee that was, you know, had to conform to it. So he's very much out to create a more humane workplace and really individualize the experience for people. So one of the people that I'm coaching, she was she was mentioning that um, in her work and on her team, she said some of the people are loving, just to your point, staying at, at home, and they're thriving, and others hate it and need to get back. And so she said, I recognize I want to accommodate both of those parties so they can be their best. Brilliant, right? That's that's the opportunity. So um, from that vantage point, Ray, what do you think leaders and companies can do to help employees ease back to work when they actually do come back? Well, so there's a couple of things. Um, Number one, we need to understand that people are going to be scared that they've actually gone through uh, trauma. There's actually a risk of PTSD, post-traumatic stress, uh, from people being scared about financials, scared about their health, those kinds of things. And so the first thing is to recognize that these people are going to be going through all kinds of things. And then to your point, there's these people who really will feel safer They'll feel more comfortable if they can stay at home. And there's these other people that really need to interact with people and they need to go see people and, and be around people. And so if we can understand that they're scared and that they're they're stressed and they're anxious, and then we can build systems that allow them to make choices that keep them comfortable, then, then the employers are going to be much more successful. For instance, we can open up our offices and say, if you want to come in, you're welcome, but you don't have to come in. And that gives people the option uh, to decide what they're going to do and to, um, to pick what works best for them. And then we can also have work groups and let work groups decide. Maybe work groups don't want to come in five days a week. Maybe they want to come in every Tuesday and Thursday and work from home on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And maybe that work group, it works for them. So if we can be flexible like that and kind of look at 
uh, first of all, understand the emotions that people are going to be going through with all this change and then adapt to that and be flexible to that, then I think we can really build something uh, we'll, where our employees will appreciate it and where we'll have them be more productive and more engaged. I like it. I like it. Okay, let's talk about, let's step up a little bit further. So we've been talking about the workplace here, Ray, and the the individuals who contribute to it and are part of it and interacting with it. What I want to do next is I want to look at, like, from the socioeconomic vantage point of the cascading effects of more of an increased workforce. Uh, Obviously, the very first thing that's going to, we notice is we'll notice that the the traffic is less. And then, then, of course, we have less oil consumption. We're already seeing that. What else do you see playing out in terms of these kinds of patterns? One of the major patterns is how we measure work. And again, you know, the old way uh, that we've been doing since, uh, you know, the early 1900s is activity. If we see enough activity, uh, which means if we see people at work, we assume they're doing their email. We assume they're being productive and engaged. And so that's going to now change to what are they actually accomplishing? And it'll it'll be a, a situation where, we don't really care how many hours they work. I know that sounds crazy, but we don't really care how many hours they work. We'll give them a set of goals. And if they achieve those goals and they achieve those results, then they'll be happy. We'll be happy. And it won't matter how long it took them. Some people will take 60 hours. Some people will take 20 hours. But that doesn't matter. What did you achieve? The other thing is this concept, especially with telecommuting, that geography is no longer a factor. And if geography is no longer a factor, then we have to think of not just the best 10 engineers in Dallas, but the best 10 engineers from around America. And we could have, you know, the best in America, not just the best in this area. And so measuring results and managing people based on results and understanding that geography is no longer a limiter uh, is really going to change the way we look at how we manage and, and work with people. Mm. That's really interesting. I happened to read something very just recently, Ray, about Facebook t- addressing that whole geography issue. Um, by the way, we can whatever is moving in your background, we can hear all that sound. I don't know if you can stop that movement, but it's 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 showing up. Um, anyway, I, f- I think it was Mark Zuckerberg who was talking about this, but he said, you know, we'll need to address and make sure that as people maybe they do relocate geographically, and you know the in- the interesting thing about that to think about is. If they relocate into a place where it's a lower cost of living, he wants to, of course, to be able to understand that in terms of how he pays. Fascinating, right? Thinking about where people will just get up and start to move. I know somebody here in Dallas who just relocated from Dallas to Phoenix. For it was it was a better better business environment for him. Fascinating, right? Comments, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, and I think that we maybe won't even care where they live. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to look at the geography of where somebody's going. I just want to say, are you there? Can you deliver the results that we want you to deliver? Because a lot of people, maybe they don't live in one place. Maybe they're in uh, Atlanta today and LA tomorrow and Canada the next day, uh, but they're still delivering and they're still doing their job and that's okay. And that's, that's what we want. Um, and so, you know, that's, I think, you know, when geography is no longer an issue, we don't even have to know that. All we have to know is um, this is the result we asked for and are you going to deliver on it? Mm. And I just love the idea that it opens literally, not figuratively, literally a space for people, right? A, a clearing for them to step into as they their life and their lifestyle 
ask them to. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really um, gives people a lot of autonomy. It's really freeing. Um, and it, you know, you get more loyalty. So I actually worked in a company. We had 650 people, 100% virtual. Well, it was 95% virtual. We had one small office, um, but we had extremely good loyalty. The number of people who stayed with us uh, was in the 95% range. And so, um, you know, people will be loyal. They'll be happier. Uh, by the way, one of the challenges we have today is we have to give lots of promotions to keep people happy, keep people interested. Um, you don't have to give as many promotions if you're much more flexible with your geography and where people work and, and also with the hours they work. Uh, if you can let people not have to work nine to five, but can work when they work best, whether that's at midnight or whether that's at 6 a.m., uh, again, people are very appreciative of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, one thing we kind of passed over that I wanted to make sure we we discuss, Ray, is I'm interested in your perspective and how we can better support today even the, the, the remote workforce. I mean, it's re- robustly emerged and a lot of people are like suddenly thrown into this and they, they're not used to working from home. I've been doing it for decade, you know, more than a decade. What can we do to help that group better? Well, one of the most important things we can do is make sure we start utilizing technology. Uh, people have learned now that you can get somebody on a Zoom, and because you can look at them eye to eye on a Zoom or on a Skype or something, uh, it, it's a much better experience. You know what we do is we do conference calls, and and we can't hear the person on the other line; they can't really participate, and we don't know what they're doing. So if we can get people on these video chats, video calls, so that we can see them and they can see us, that we can see when they're interested in saying something, we can help them join in the conversation, then that's going to go a long way to helping us uh, interact with and, and successfully have remote workers and, and people who want to come into the office today, but maybe need to be home tomorrow to do something with their kids or take care of their kids or something. Mm-hmm. And so, so building the technology around it. And again, we talked about building the goals and how we manage around it. This belief that, you know, you either work 40 hours or you're no good is not true. It's really what results do you produce? And the more we can manage based on results and manage based on production rather than based on whether you're sitting in a chair, uh, again, the more the happier they'll be, the more flexible we'll be, and the more productive and engaged they'll be. Oh, that's so encouraging and empowering. I love that. All right, we're almost out of time here. Just maybe a quick thought. I wanted to hear any perspective you have on forecasting of where the world where the world of work might be going, say, in the next two to five years, and how we can support and enable these workforce members in that time period. Yeah, so in, in my world, I believe that mental health is going to be a big issue and emotional health and supporting people. It used to be that your private life was at home and, and all your emotional life was at home and then at work you were stoic. And that's not really true. It's never been true. And people are starting to realize that. We have to recognize that people have emotions both good and bad at work. And it's okay to have bad emotions as long as you don't have bad Action. So that's the first thing is th- this belief in um, emotional and understanding that emotions reside in the workplace. Uh, another thing, because you know more people are going to be working from home, we're going to have to uh, adapt in how we manage people and how we we uh, help people grow and learn and participate. And then the third thing is, you know, we are learning how to have meetings on technology, and so there's going to be a lot less travel, a lot less people. Um, flying from one city to another because they won't need to as much. 
And so um, how you look at travel and how you look at how you manage and how you look at understanding uh, what emotions people are going through, all those things are going to have significant changes. Mm-hmm. I had a futurist. I pre-recorded his, his show. It's coming out in, in June. We, we were talking about the world of work and the digitization of all that. And um, he says that it's really important to develop soft skills like emotional intelligence and empathy um, to be able to, frankly, have a role in the world that will be highly digitized because machines can't do that as well as we can. And I think that is an excellent thing to to consider. Yeah, I think that's going to be, like you said, it's a human strength. And one of the reasons we need to use video instead of necessarily conference calls is the concept that if I can look into somebody's eyes and see what they're saying, I can understand maybe what's happening for them and what they're holding back and maybe what they're not uh, not sharing. And and those things are really important. And, and, and by the way, that interaction is important for us as humans. We need to see people eye to eye. We need that interaction. And, and by the way, we need to hug people and touch people as well. COVID-19 is really hurting us on that. Uh, so you just have to hug and touch people that are uh, that you know are healthy. But you know we need interaction with people mm-hmm. visibly and physically. Absolutely, we do. I lived in Brazil for a couple of years. The Brazilians taught me two things: one, how to communicate and connect with people, which involves touching, uh, and two, just really how to develop meaningful relationships. So thank you, all my Brazilian friends. Muito obrigada. All right, so here we are at the close, Ray. It happens so fast. This program is really intended to help people across the world develop more meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose in their lives and their work. What would you like to leave them with? I think the big thing is go out and help somebody else. If you go out and help somebody else, that's going to help you. It's going to make them better. It's going to make the world better. And if we just all did that, then I think uh, the world would be better tomorrow. So. I agree. We're arm in arm in that, Ray. Let's do this together. And thank you for joining us today and sharing your heart, your soul, your experience, and the work that you're doing at Joyages. It's fantastic. Sure, Elise. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Ray White, Joyages, his books, or anything else he's up to, start by going to the website joyages.com. Let me spell that for you. It's J-O-Y-A-G-E-S dot com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Dr. Neha Sangwan talking about how handling emotions contributes to good health, sound communication, and better relationships. Sound familiar? Next week, we'll be on the air with Patrick David Bett, the founder and CEO of PHP Agency and the co-author of a book soon to be released called Your Next Five Moves. Clearer thinking, solve faster, scale bigger, and achieve your vision as an entrepreneur. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose. Let's work on purpose.